Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Previously on Chaotic Normal, the mutiny on board Melora's Borealis finally came to a head as a number of crew members approached the officers with a set of demands. The crew then discovered that the mutiny had been headed up by none other than the Sparrow, the merchant and deceiver that had captured aboard the ghost ship. After I challenged the Sparrow to a one-on-one duel to decide the fate of the ship, he selected another of the prisoners as his champion. After a decisive duel, I came out victorious and threw the mutineer Sparrow overboard. The crew and Melora's Borealis now sail towards the Azure Stand, the Druid Grove, where they will fill the ewer they acquired from the Ancient One ruins with the assistance of the explorer Darwin Nash. But will we find the island, or will we find only more mysteries ahead? Let us find out on Chaotic Normal. The Shattered Isles. It's been a day since the uh, would-be mutiny aboard the Melora's Borealis, and though the crew still seems to stumble or go quiet whenever Captain Rubert comes near, and many crewmen refuse to look overboard, and some whispers state that something is following the ship, despite these, uh, disruptions or upsets among the crew, there's been no further signs of mutiny or disloyalty. In fact, anytime an officer gives an order, the crew is all too eager to jump to it. Even with this coming uh, adventure into the Azure Stand, no crewman has come forward explaining why it's a bad idea or complaining about the lack of loot. The crew seems all too eager to join to do whatever is needed with the quiet, unspoken indication that they're willing to do whatever is needed so long as it spares their souls from the deep. 
However, a few crewmen have brought forward sailors' tales, not as a warning, not to encourage you to leave out of uh, approaching the Azure Stand, but instead the crew have brought these forward just in gossip as sailors do, wanting to tell the tales of the high seas of the Shattered Isles. And all of the stories seem to tell similar things, that the Azure Stand is haunted, that it is filled with the countless dead of ancient... Er, of infinite, not infinite, it's filled with the countless dead of innumerable vessels who have sailed into it hoping to harvest its lumber, hoping to rip, uh, steal its secrets, hoping to make off with nymphs who dwell in its uh, reaches, or to find the fountain of youth. All of these stories and more are told about the Azure Stand, but every single one of these tales tells of how the ship that arrived is either never seen again or sits as a ghost ship at anchor at sea until it eventually sinks beneath the waves. The crews who step foot on the island to a man are all uh, found dead shortly after or never seen again. Some even say those who step a foot on the Azure Stand die within a week of returning to their boats. There are many explanations for this in the myth. Some say rocks haunt the uh, hawk, haunt the sky surrounding the Azure Stand, picking off any who enter. What did this say? Rocks. Others say angry merfolk guard the Azure Stand, dragging to the depths anyone who dares tread upon their sacred forest. Some even go into most outlandish tales, claiming that the island. It is actually a floating island that at night, or that is full of life, but at night, its pools and water boil, turning to acid as they melt anything that would step inside it. And it's because of that that everyone who steps foot on Azure Stand dies. You find yourself, however, standing on the uh, foredeck, staring out at the Azure Stand. It's off in the distance, perhaps, or like nearly a mile away it's on the horizon and it shimmers there looking like a mirage there is no land in sight in any direction northeast southwest are all empty sea with rolling gentle waves each of them heaving high and dropping you low as the ship rocks along with it but there on the horizon occasionally obscured by these rising waves you see it there, shimmering, a shining, brilliant forest of green and brown, sitting seemingly out in the middle of the ocean, seemingly floating there. And as you find yourself on the, for, uh, on the foredeck, staring out at this mirage on the horizon, while the Melora's Borealis makes its way closer and closer to this magnificent and ancient mangrove that stretches across the horizon well not across the horizon but takes up a major chunk of the horizon you are you can't help but feel these stories run through your mind meanwhile darwin nash ever the pragmatist sits there with you at the railing leaning over and discounting story after story it's absolutely not true that all who step a foot at Azure Stand pass away. I myself have stepped a foot on the Azure Stand. I only perused the exterior of it and have not quite delved into its depths. But 
he holds up his hands. Look at me. Several years later, and still no worse for wear, save for a few cracks in my knees. The Azure Stand is not some mystical place that kills you. The idea is that its roots stretch all the way to the sea floor, or as some would say, that it is an extension of the eldritch deep reaching up to the surface, are all absolute poppycock. I've been to Azurstan myself, the roots, while they do stretch far down. In most places, you can see the ground. In fact, most of the rivulets that run through it are only 5 to 10 feet deep, making it quite easy to swim, or in other places, even walk amongst the mangroves. No, it is not acid pits by night that kill people in the Azurstand. Although the stories of the night being altogether unsafe are not necessarily false. I myself have gone to the Azure Stand, I said, and three expedition parties delved deep into the Azure Stand for me, and three parties, or only two of those three returned. The two who returned did so before sunset. The one who failed to return... Well, clearly they stayed out there overnight. Later, search parties were sent to, to find them, and sure enough, the party that returned before nightfall were all right, and we never saw the party that stayed out after dark. Now, this could be coincidence that those who are slain by whatever haunts the interior of the Azure Stand are killed by are killed and therefore don't come out, but. It also could point to some legitimacy to the idea that by night, the Azure Stand is simply not safe. I myself have poked around it for quite a bit, mainly on the exterior, and know that the Azure Stand is somewhat dangerous, to be sure. But it is not monsters of the deep. Yes, there are merfolk raiders who are not so happy to have vessels uh, from land coming to touch the Azure Stand. They seem to view it as a bit of a sacred place, so tread carefully. Yes, there are creatures, uh, as you might expect, giant tree crabs, land octopi, bugs of quite large sizes, the normal things you might find out in a massive mangrove. There are also quippers galore in the water, small, ravenous, carnivorous fish. There are snakes that are quite poisonous, should you touch them. There are many crocodiles and alligators who make it their home. It's not even unheard of for a shark to swim into the depths of the Azure Stand. So the water itself is fine to drink, fine to touch, it's not acid. But things can eat you in the water. The land, as I mentioned, has tree crabs and land octopi. There are also bats, the, the blood-sucking variety, who thirst upon those who walk around. The mosquitoes, strangely missing. In fact, the bugs on the island are altogether mostly gentle. <clears throat> I have in the past avoided harvesting lumber on the island uh, for fear of uh, damaging such an ancient ecosystem. However, I did have crew who attempted to do so. I reprimanded them before they could cause any real damage to the island. What I know of trying to reach the heart of the Azure Stand is that it is quite nearly impossible. 
It is a maze within there. He gestures out again across the bow as the azure stand is growing clearer and clearer into view. You can see its size. We're trying to find the heart of this. The very first tree, the very first mangrove that grew in this mighty forest. That heart is where the crystal pool will be located, to which we must dip the ewer, which I assume you've emptied of your brandy. Yes, that is correct. Yes, well, we must dip that ewer within that crystal pool at the heart of it, where the very first mangrove grows. But the mangrove does not grow altogether that much higher than its companions. And even if we were able to notice it, we would still have trouble finding it. As he looks again at the horizon, uh, he begins to explain uh, in more detail how the Azure Stand is yeah, basically maze-like. It's very difficult to find your way through it. Trying to simply say, we want to go north, might not be enough within the Azure Stand because you don't even know if you're trying to get north. And often, north is not an option. You could, in most cases, just traipse your way north, only that would cause you to walk up out of the water on over a couple mangroves, topple down back into the water to be able to... Uh, Ported, portage, there we go, portage the naughty dreams so frequently would be exhausting, slow you down to a crawl, and there'd be no way to truly make it through the, through the Azure Stand in that method. Therefore, uh, he argues, the best if not only way to traverse the Azure Stand is by boat aboard, he says, preferably canoes, and lacking that the naughty dreams with oars will have to do. What about multiple boats? Because we have two rowboats now. Could we take the Naughty Dreams and the other we picked up? I think the other one was a canoe, right? Yes. And actually, I think we might have picked up two in Camp Righteous. Two canoe? Yeah. Well, there you go. You could take two canoes and... Yes, I say we take the two canoes we picked up in Camp Righteous rather than put the Nutty Dreams at risk. Um, but yes, uh, um, will you be coming with us, Darwin? Uh, Nash explains that he will be coming with you. However, uh, he does not believe that it's likely you'll get multiple chances at delving into the uh, Azure Stand. It's remote that he says that such expeditions are often you enter once, realize the harrowing danger of it, and have trouble ever convincing a party to venture deeper within. Or again, so now he uh, choose, or he acknowledges that he will join you, although he is going to be so caught up in taking his notes that he won't have time to uh, try and solve every little problem you encounter. And then he sheepishly acknowledges that, as you've seen, he is not much of a combatant. He has his uh, firearm, but it's more decorative than it is for fighting. So yes, he'll be there, but he'll mostly be just quietly taking notes and trying to record every little detail in his journal. Uh, Captain Rubert, can, uh, can I say something? I don't want to speak at a turn, but... Oh, of course, speak freely. I think that we might consider taking the Naughty Dreams. I know you're worried about losing it, but we shouldn't be bothered with the commute 
to and from if anything happens, you know, in a pinch. We know we know how to pilot the naughty dreams, so it might be more beneficial to bring it since we can trust it. We don't know anything about these canoes. Of course, it's your ship. If you are willing to put it at the risk, then yes, by all Let's means. Do it. Yes, and Darwin, I'm glad you're coming with us, just as long as you don't get in our way. He scoffs, then says, "Ha! Get in your way! I'm your guide in this expedition." It sounds like guides aren't much use here from everything you've told us. He looks at you uh, inquisitively and says, and how do you intend to navigate the maze? Mm, I think it is a matter of instinct rather than navigation. From everything we've heard, it is your senses tricking you. So learn not to trust everything you know. He looks at you, uh, studying as if unsure if you're referencing some deep power that you might uh, that you might have. Uh, as he's just seen you reveal some powers of the deeps, de- deeps depths, and is not sure. And he says, "Well, I'll be interested to see your maneuvers for this, Captain. Although I will state a uh, requirement for my accompaniment, we will not stay past nightfall." Of course. Uh, Yes, I will trust your judgment in that regard. Uh, But yes, uh, what time of day is it right now? Um, You are arriving early morning. All right. Well, I think we should make all preparations now and be prepared to set out as soon as possible. All right, so as the uh, ship comes closer and closer to Azure Stand, you have your plan to take, it sounds like you're taking two canoes and the Naughty Dreams, or Naughty Dreams and one canoe? I think Naughty Dreams and one canoe, probably the best way to do it. All right, um, so you, uh, sorry, can you repeat that? It was one canoe and... One canoe and the Naughty Dreams. Okay, cool. So you're just trying to figure out who's in what boat, and if you wanted to take any random crewmen with you, I guess if you have extra spaces, um, you know, red shirts. And uh, <clears throat> as you uh, are making your preparations, is there any information anyone's trying to accrue? Or is it any like short or like start of the adventuring day preparations, like preparing spells that anyone needs to accomplish? Uh, before we hop on the boat, I want to. Um create my Eldritch Cannon, and I want to create the Protector Cannon and just have everyone come in close so I can give out some temp HP. It's going to be uh, 1d8 plus my Intelligence modifier, so I'm going to roll that. I mean, since you can do it once every six seconds, you can probably just give us the max temp HP. Yeah, yeah but I'm trying not to min-max. That's still... I mean, if you're out of combat... Yeah, you're also using it in a situation where the temp HP will expire likely before combat and you'll have already exhausted it, so you're okay with maximizing it. If if the boss says so, let's maximize it. What hey, I'm what saying is I like you you don't have any clear and apparent threat currently. Yeah, but I okay, so I guess I'll prepare it to do it immediately when we touch down. You can't ready actions outside of combat. I'm not saying like you can't do it, I'm saying you're fine to 
you're trying to use an encounter thing in downtime, so it's easy to maximize it because it's not really giving you an advantage to maximize it, is what I'm saying. Then I'll, okay, I'll just, uh, everything that I said, just don't include it, and then we can act like that never happened until we touch down. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry for slowing down the podcast. Um, take it away. Oh, well, it's once per long rest or until you spend a spell slot. Shibbity boobity. Shibbity boobity. Yeah, I think that temp HP lasts for until the, your next long rest, too. Uh, it doesn't say when it expires. Oh, yeah, it doesn't. Because this, th- this thing only lasts an hour, so I assumed it was attached to that. Oh. Okay, so yeah. No, so you're right. You could use it now and it works, but it's probably going to have collapsed and been done by the time the, any combat starts. Go, let's so just run go. back when we get to the island. Act like none of this ever happened. All right. Uh, so the is there anyone making any sort of preparations? I do my normal. Zilnern, what did you say? I'm stretching my legs out. I've been making this this um, feast for a very long time, and I just need to walk around before I get back in the boat. In fact, yes, Zellner, if I'm not mistaken, you have the chef feet, meaning that you could have cooked special food uh, equal to four plus your proficiency bonus. Oh, wait, that one's different. Uh, you could have uh, cooked a number of treats equal to your proficiency bonus, which lasts eight hours, and a creature can use a bonus action to eat one of these treats to gain temp HP equal to your proficiency bonus. That, yes, that's true. In, in technical terms, that's what happens when you eat my food. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you've distributed snacks to everyone. You've prepared bag lunches. Um, anyone needs to prepare any spells and want to talk about what spells they should prepare, should prepare or are you all ready to go? I, I don't prepare spells as a warlock or a bard. Yep, good. I'm Maybe referring ready to go. Give the crew a bit of a pep talk, but... Yeah, I think Phil and Celeste are the only ones who prepare their spells. Do you want me to declare them for the listeners? You don't have to. I just wanted to, like, if there's any choices. I assume you've made them and you're not sneaky. If I find out you're sneaky. Yeah, cool. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, we're sneaky. Um, uh, what am I going to take? Heat metal, purified food and drink, uh, vortex it. warp. Um, what else do I have in here? Identify, uh, cure wounds. Yeah, that's it for me. Thanks, everyone. Right. <laughs> all right so you start are right, you lower the canoe and the uh boat or in the rowboat or the canoe and the naughty dreams down and as you lower them down to the water uh, and you all start like boarding them and climbing on uh is there any uh or who's getting in which boats you currently have both the naughty dreams sorry hiccup you have the naughty dreams and you have a canoe um, I'll be I'll be in the canoe. I'll be at the Phil. Canoe. Who do you want in your crew? Uh, I'll take whoever wants to come with me. I don't know, man. I don't. I I think we can all fit in here. I'm, I'm worried about the canoe people, but you know, I trust Rubert. I'm a little too odd for the canoes. 
comfortably. They are a little tilty for me, so I'm going to get in Naughty Dreams, if that's okay. Yeah. Actually, uh, Zelnern has to come in here because he's the one, he rose the quickest, so get your ass in here. That's true. I just, I think it would be good to have a backup rowboat, I guess. Remember the sharks? Yes, we don't want to put all of our oars in one rowboat. As they say. (laughs) Ella gets Celeste, hey, keep an eye on him over there in the canoe. He does this every time. Do I really have to save him this time? (laughs) Just keep an eye on him. Okay, fine. For you, Captain. (laughs) All right, so Rubert is in the canoe. And it sounds like there was one other person in the canoe. Zelnern's in the rowboat to work the oars. Celeste, are you in the canoe? Yeah. All right, the two of you are in the canoe. Phil, Darwin, Jules, and Zelnern are in the uh, Naughty Dreams. Cool. Uh, your crew, or so lowered down. Um, currently, the uh, the you're maybe. Uh, I guess uh, what is a couple yard, or a couple hundred yards out from the uh, mangrove forest that is the Azure Stand. The depth ropes that you have down, trying to flag how many fathoms deep it is, are logging that uh, the ground isn't even reachable from here. You're still in deep open sea, um, and yet there stands only a few hundred yards away. A vast and mighty mangrove forest, still shimmering and sparkling in the uh, sun and ray. And you see wa- uh, animals swimming about you. It's clear that life is bountiful here, despite the deep water. You look down and you see a pair of dolphins swimming underneath, making their way towards the azure stand. You see as a uh, uh, beneath them, you know, a pair of trumpet fish, or I guess above them, a pair of trumpet fish skirt across the top a few parrotfish nibbling their way towards the azure stand. And it's clear that there is bountiful life here, all of it drawn and pulled and circulating around the azure stand only a few hundred yards away. You put your back into the oars and start pulling your way forward. Celeste and Rubert both picking up a paddle to canoe the... or to row? Paddle? To paddle the canoe closer while Zilnern's back bends, pulling at the double oars and dragging the Naughty Dreams closer and closer towards the Great Mangrove. As you get there, you see that the mangrove is... There's no beach at all here. There are these gnarled roots sticking up into, you know, the great trees that sprawl out like a swampy canopy all around and they seem to gnarl out around a bit of dirt and earth and sand around them, but diving down into the water and disappearing from sight as you row closer and closer. There's no clear entry point. There's no clear indication of what is... You know, if you're rowing to an island, you might notice where the rivers are pouring out from the island and try to row your way up those onto beaches. But here, it looks as simple as if you were to row from the open sea into a forest. There is no clear start point to this maze. It is limitless. As you row forward, uh, you kind of sit on the outskirts of it, maybe five yards away now. And you see that uh, 
the endless depths have rapidly given way as sand and dirt and earth rise, or I guess not dirt, but sand and earth and stone have risen up beneath you. And about right where the azure stand starts, there seems to be a copse of land, maybe 10 feet deeper, in varying depths, like 5, 10, even in some places 3 feet deep uh, beneath the water. There is this upthrust of land seeming to jolt up from the ocean floor like a mighty bluff. And you see that the Azure Stand is clinging to that bluff of land. What <clears throat> What did your deck say this morning, Celeste? What did the stars say? Well, good news, bad news. Which one would you like first? Bad news. Bad news? Well, there's a thief among us, sir. Captain. I don't know what to call you anymore. You kind of are freaking out the whole crew, so... Um, anyways, there's going to be a loss of property or beauty or innocence or friendship or reputation. I mean, that's kind of already lost considering, like, this whole week. But, like, if you think about it, there's also wheel on our side. So the Cosmic Omens are good, even if the horizon is not so good. So watch out. I really like Celeste using her daily fortune as a time to, uh editorialize and pass commentary <laughs> understood thank you I don't like kelp I don't say that to Rubera but to the audience I guess <laughs> <laughs> also point of order I think we should tie a rope between the rowboat and the naughty dreams um, just so we don't like stray too far from each other that's yeah, I imagine I imagine it's like um, when you put an outrigger on a boat that we have it kind of like set up that way so that oh, when the waves cool. hit it too, it's a little more stable. Yeah, I don't think you have you had the wood like that you couldn't fully secure it like an outrigger would be, but you know it's similar to. Yeah, yeah. So we're like you know like twenty feet behind, like the ropes tied to each other. So we're just kind of like dragging behind, but like not. So much so that all of the effort is on Zelnern to pull both boats. Like we're I'm like half forward. rowing. Yeah, we're both not strong. No. It's like uh, riding a uh, tandem bicycle, so it's just two people not biking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, uh, so lashed together to make sure you can't get sucked down two different paths. Uh, you find yourself at the edge of Azure Stand, and I've sent a bunch of photos of mangroves just for reference points uh, for uh, those of you in the Discord. Uh, so if you happen to be sub to the Chaotic Normal, uh, like highest tier of uh, Patreon where you get access to the Discord, uh, you can go in there and look for July 18th, 2022 and find what uh, mangroves look like. You can also use Google. To yeah, get you can a, just Google Mangrove, those yeah. of you at home. You'll find the same uh, top five hits that I shared. Uh, so Why you yeah. guys got to, like, sell out on... Yeah. You could have gotten, like, upsells, and you had to really shove that down, did you? Could have gotten, like, 20 bucks. Yeah, some people just don't like success. It's all right. We're not worth the money, so I understand. Wow. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, isn't our Discord free? Like, 
I can't anyone join it. Shut up, Shut everyone. Up. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, you find yourself at the edge of this mangrove. Uh, I assume you row into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not. Zelnern's the one rowing. So. Oh, so you two did fully give up. Uh, Zelnern, you feel the whole boat's weight got a lot heavier. You look, because you're rowing, you're looking back and seeing Rubert and Celeste kind of just dipping their oars in the water. And if anything, they're just kind of providing resistance to your efforts to row. They're I'm more sharing gossip from the crew and what the crew is all saying about Rubert <laughs> that I heard from the navigation room. It's very important. Thank you, I appreciate it. And thank you Zelnerd. for stirring back there. Zelnerd, row faster. Jules, yell at them to take no. their paddles out of the water so this happens. Oh, excuse you? What? I'm rowing at appropriate speed. If we go any faster, it'll be dangerous. All right, we'll have <laughs> words about this later. Trust me. As you push into the dense mangrove... The blazing hot Caribbean, I guess not Caribbean, tropical sun kind of ceases as you disappear into the cool shade of this dense jungly forest. The trees stick out of their mounded roots that reach all the way down into the sand and rock beneath, uh, maybe five, ten feet below you as you push through. The water here is crystal clear, so well filtered, and all of the countless pieces of sea life that are moving through this mangrove push around you, moving past you. You even see one of those dolphins kind of following in between your two boats, uh, zipping down further down the like inlet of water. I'll refer to it as a river from now on, even though it's salt water and not fresh water, and it's more like the swamp around trees than it is a river. Um, And then the dolphin zips back towards you, Uh, jumps out of the water once, splashes down, and makes his way back out towards the open ocean. You keep rowing your way through this, marveling at the immense beauty of it. The trees are lush, they are full, they are vibrant with life. This is a place of pure druidic power. Uh, Celeste, as a druid, you immediately feel the weight of primal magic surging here. That is the magic not derived from gods, like the divine, not pulled by uh, sorcerers and wizards toying with the weave that binds all, but the raw primal strength of the wilds. That is here, and it is permeating everything. You all feel the air heavy, almost wet with the rainforest-like effect of it, but Celeste is a druid. You feel that every breath almost surges in your lungs with, as if trying to beckon out a roar, as if trying to call out the sound of a lion bursting forward. This place seems to make you want to almost shift into the form of an animal, a thing you've not done because it's not your people's way. This place is bestial, it is raw, it is life. And as you row your way into it, you're maybe uh, 50, or, uh, yeah, 25, 50 yards from the edge of the ocean, and already it's being obscured away, tucked away from the tree, like the trees shut it out, only the sound of surf breaking against the azure stands, barrier trees, lets you know the direction the trees, or the ocean still is. Through the dense thicket, you also see 
Melora's Borealis there out in that ocean surf, riding the waves back and forth. And you uh, and Darwin Nash pipes up and says, Well, Captain, and he shouts across the divide, What's your plan for navigation then? Well, that's why we have a navigator with us. Celeste, where where do you think we should go? It's a great question. Loki on the side, surprised Phil didn't say anything when asked about the captain. Um, is there a way for me to try to listen to the grove more for like a heartbeat or something? Since there's like this druidic power. Trying to reach into the sort of, yeah, the natural of it. Yeah, go ahead yeah. and uh, you can tell that there is, uh, that would still be an arcana check. So you can go ahead and make an arcana check if you'd like. Okay, I'm going to use my cosmic omen. Maybe a wisdom arcana? It can be if you want it to be a wisdom arcana. Which would mean instead of adding your int modifier, add your wisdom modifier. Okay. Okay, and then 24. 24, wow. Yeah, um, I 19. You open your senses to, uh, to that primal magic and kind of huffing it in, not even reaching for your cards, seemingly not even needing those to divine the way in this place so full of magic i guess you use your cosmic omen so you did use your cards uh but in this place so full of magic you sort of open your senses and after a moment's consideration you start pointing in the direction taking a right through the trees and uh point uh calling out that direction to go um following your lead the uh, Naughty Dreams is rowed down through uh, a gap between two mangroves and pulling into a denser thicket. Soon, as you could expect, another branch in the road, and you point out another direction, and another branching path, another open space. And so it goes throughout the morning. <clears throat> Can, uh, <clears throat> as we're being led by Cel Celeste, um, the path that she's taking us, does it look like it actually differs in any way from like other turns within the mangrove? Like how I'm thinking about it, um, like Make a... do, do okay. things look younger? Like are the trees or the roots smaller? Like, is there something that we can, I can identify just like not saying anything to the group, but just um, interpret from the way she's taking us? Make a perception check to see if you can record that. It's going to be uh, 15. All right. You notice that uh, the... Okay, you notice as you go, the trees seem to be... It's it's hard to notice, but you, you wonder if it's almost more old growth trees as you go along. As if... Uh, the path she's taking you on, or at least as you're going, it is getting older and older trees. Uh, the perception's not enough to follow it, but you realize nature might also be a useful tactic for trying to navigate through here, um, as there seems to be a correlation between age of growth 
and the right path to take. But okay. I don't uh, I don't share it with anyone. Why? Because I'm doing Phil stuff. I'm trying to explain how the different symbols of the cards represent directions. So like glyphs are north and stars are south and so on and so on. And so he's trying to understand that. Okay. Um, as you're going along, uh, you see Nash, he's sort of starting to get like take fewer and fewer notes, kind of puts his book down and eventually uh, with a sigh says, I truly thought there'd be more of interest in here. It's ma- this seems hardly different than the mangrove at Obed High so far. Perhaps when we're farther in. He shakes his head uh, and unwraps the snack that uh, Zelnern prepared. He looks at it and takes a bite. And you see his face glows with joy. My god, I thought this was just going to be ship's biscuit. He turns back to Zelnern mid-row. Cook, what's in this? Do you like that? It's in fantastic. The, I've been on an Imperial base for a few, several weeks now. We've had nothing but stale ship's biscuits soaked in, gre- or in beef fat. This is tremendous. What did you cook? Thank you. I found some old coconuts, and I was about to throw them out when one of them cracked open, and it had this really funky smell in it. So I put it all in the batter. Uh, he looks inquisitive at that and says, Now I'll admit I'm not one for cooking. I usually had my apprentice Isabella do all the cooking on our voyages. What what exactly is it that made the coconut stinky and why did that make the food good? <laughs> You'll have to ask for coconut. <laughs> My God! I mean, if is this, is this how all turtles cook? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, this is how a lot of dwarves cook. I don't know how the turtles cook. His eyes go wide, and he had dwarven cooking. I've had dwarven cooking, especially back in uh, in Port Providence. Dwarven cooking's all. Iron piled on salt, too much salt, and iron flakes. They put iron flakes in their soup. This is this is something different. Not mountain dwarf, certainly. And he studies for a moment and says, You mean the the Hrakmar dwarfs, don't you? That's my job. You were raised among the Hrakmar. I need to hear about this. Do you give him your full uh, background, or do you cherry-pick pieces of it, or does he not get any of it? I, I slowly give him my entire background until someone cuts us off because uh, we have other things that are happening. So by the time we get to the next point that you have to stop, I stop the story. <laughs> um, well. I think this is more than any of us have heard of your backstory because you always take so long to tell it and we're just like yeah we have better things to do (laughs) got y'all trapped on a boat imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, amongst the main groves, as still Celeste pulls you along, amongst the main groves, you come to a space that glistens. The trees here are small and tiny saplings, uh, hardly a, f- a decade or so old, and the water seems to reflect dazzling off of them. The mangroves around this sort of, like, you know, there's it's these small mangrove trees uh, interspersed with these larger uh, trees that kind of stretch over them, but there's these small, almost dazzling ones. And as you get closer to one, because they seem to catch your eyes so tremendously, you it, you realize that it's not just dazzling, not just sparkling, but the tree is actually transparent. The tree seems to be catching the light of all the trees around it and the water bouncing off it, reflecting those colors and creating the illusion of being a standard tree. But when you get close to it and sort of pull up oars to look at it, this may be like two foot tall sapling with its roots stretching down, intertwining with the tree next to it. It appears to be made or it appears to be purely translucent and just almost like a crystal, uh, I guess not translucent, opaque translucent, whatever that word is, and seems to be scattering the light all around it. Who is uh, piloting the Naughty Dreams? I know that uh, Zilnern, you're rowing it, but who's actually like giving the directions of directions to turn? Captain Phil, of course. Phil, so you're kind of the first one to bump up, uh, like to have the 
you're at the prow, the boat kind of bumps up against the mangrove roots, and you find yourself there face to face with this crystalline uh, tree. Okay. Make a nature uh, check as you look at it. Sure. It's going to be a 15. Um, as you look at it, you realize this doesn't just appear to be translucent. It is made of crystal, as if carved or chiseled or naturally grown from the ground as a uh, as a mineral uh, formed in the shape of a uh, of a mangrove bush as it sprouts up there, intertwining with the others. Um, you, the pirate in you immediately realizes that such a bush is certainly worth a good fortune to the right vendor. I mean, a naturally grown crystal tree, that's got to be worth quite a fortune, especially to someone like Gellin Primewater, who you know is in the business of collecting rare trees. How big is it? Uh, this, understand. Like, this is it a shrub, is, actually? Yeah, this is like a sapling, so it's only uh, okay. like two feet tall. You could yeah, you with know, a little bit of work. The boat. Stop the boat. I'm, and I I command him to stop, and then I immediately uh, oh. I uh, like grab the ore from his hand, maybe, and I start using it to dig it out. All right. Uh, oh, sorry, I was just in the middle fiddle. of the story. Uh, the boat kind of bumps up there as a uh, and. Uh, Darwin Nash sort of looks up surprised at this tree and starts writing down notes. Those of you in the canoe sort of start catching up. You've j- or as the rope tugs you along, you're kind of jostled as well as you're sort of drifting forward into the knotty dreams, which is abruptly stopped. You use your oars to pull yourself uh, to a halt as Phil has taken the oar and is sort of trying to leverage it in amongst the roots, trying to pop this crystalline uh, mangrove tree off of the uh, like sapling off of the other tree that's actually a large sprawling tree that it's attached to i use the vines to do a thorn whip to try to grab the ore and bring it towards me so that way he stops digging because this is a sacred druidic site uh make an attack roll against uh phil's uh acrobatics shit what'd you get I got an 11. 11? Phil, suddenly one of the uh, vines stretches out, lashes around your uh, oar. Do you are uh, you jerk it out of the way? Make an acrobatics. 18. 18. You jerk it out of the way. You look over to see Celeste, not under your jurisdiction because she's on the canoe. Uh, and uh, she's like still like reaching up as if to grab another vine to lash it from your hand. Um. I look at her like, uh, what is a really good way to describe it? Um, like, I, I disre- like I know it's annoying, and I know that what I'm doing contradicts um, her beliefs and everything. And I just, like, I almost act like I can't see her and continue to do it. Wait, like you I, avoid I, eye contact with me? I, I avoid eye contact with you and continue doing what I'm doing, knowing that Fail. it will knowing that it will hurt your feelings. And if you, yeah, and as you call out to me, I just ignore it completely. All right, Phil, you keep leveraging against it. I need you to make a strength athletics uh, or thieves tools, whichever one you have. After all we've been through. (laughs) Yeah, after all you've been through with Phil, he would do this. 
Um, Strength athletics. Without my without tools. my fingers, how does thieves' tools work? Can we assume it's in my good hand? Uh yes. Technically, it's two oars, and you're basically you realize it seems to have like kind of woven itself around the roots. So you really got to get in there and pry this thing out. Okay, uh, I only got a twelve. All right, so you're trying to like pop it off, um, and you're starting to knock pieces of it off. They're not breaking; they are unfolding as if they are organic and yet still crystal. Even more promise that someone like Gallen Prime Water uh, would pay a fortune for this, uh, or perhaps his uh, competitor Anders Salmar would. Does anyone else try to intercede, or uh, Celeste? Do you try further to intercede? As it's clear, he doesn't care about your first effort to inter- of intercession. Yeah, I'm going to try to intercede again. Um, I don't want to ask what. Yeah, you've seen oh, violence isn't going to work. Um, I jump over to the ship. Not to knock him over, but to try to like take him by surprise. And I go, I knew there was a thief today. And that's <laughs> <laughs> all right. You lunge I'm over to the to things. try to get support because I was just telling him all about the cosmic omens in the skies. And I just did a really great navigation. So I'm really relying on that right now. Phil, please. Now is not the time to disturb the forest. I'm almost done. Just give me a second. It's on there and hold her. Don't you see what this is? Don't you understand? Um, is, is this another mutiny? Is, <laughs> is it happening again? No, she's just... Give me a minute. Come on. The Naughty Dreams rocks back and forth since uh, Celeste has jumped over to it. Uh, as Zeldern just ponders, am I supposed to mutiny again? Uh, so... Uh, Phil, under the weight of scrutiny from your crew, do you stop or do you continue to try to wrestle this uh, crystalline mangrove into the boat? Uh, Phil, like, begrudgingly stops. Um, Phil, you uh, you relent on what is certainly worth a fortune or at least influence to uh, Gellin Prime Water and Anders Salmar, um, and I imagine sullenly return the ore to, uh, to Zellnern. Yeah. All right. Uh, you return back to your boat, uh, Celeste. Yeah, uh, but I take the... Phil's hat. Take <laughs> his hat? Whoa. Phil, whatever's in this mangrove is going to be worth more than a single plant. Please trust the process. Uh, I, I oddly don't um, put up a fight. Uh, yeah, that's gonna, fine. That sounds like he's going to murder you. I want to make that okay. clear. Yeah, you can have my hat. Anything you say, Captain. Uh, uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of like whisper to Celeste, he would never so willingly part with that hat. I know. I think he's There's got something mang- wrong with it. <laughs> he's got the mangrove madness. I hand the hat to Rubert. I'm like, you take it. No, don't put, that, don't put that curse on me. I'm already no dealing with enough right now. You took... Okay, we're not getting to that right now. <laughs> I give him that. I do not put it on. 
The morning continues onwards. Uh, uh, Zelnern, after a moment, realizing that, uh, you know, the excitement here is done, the crew kind of quiet and calm. Zelnern, you realize you only made it through about half of your story, so you launch back into it, uh, much to the consternation of the crew, and you're, you keep rowing through the waters. <clears throat> Where the water opens up into another as like the morning passes in is about to reach like midday the uh it opens to a place where the main groves are full of hundreds of glaring serpents weaving through the trees they're above you around you you realize every mangrove near you has one coiling about it glistening as the water bounces off of it you see them there slithering through among the roots up above and realize the number of massive constrictor snakes around you it bodes terrible for you and just as you reach to roll initiative you realize none of them are moving in fact your eyes sort of adjust and you realize every one of these woven, or every one of these serpents in the trees is actually, they are not serpents, but branches and vines, so artfully placed it cannot be coincidence. In spots, they've the wood's been polished bright, allowing water to glint off of it, looking like scales mimicking the sense of movement amongst the trees. Here and there, the vines almost seem to have mouths carved, or like the roots and branches almost seem to have mouths carved into them, features. There, you see what looks like a forked tongue, only to realize, no, that's just a piece of bark stretching out. And all about you are these meticulously, almost natural, yet too perfect to be natural, serpent rods uh, coiling and undulating about you as the water reflects off of them. What is this place? The Fae, remarks Darwin Nash from his notes as he uh, takes them vigorously. They say that the Azure Stand is full of points to the Feywild. Perhaps that's even why people go missing if they stay after dark. And then he continues noting it down. He calls for you to stop so that he could do a sketch of one of the uh, roots. Do you stop to let him sketch one of the roots? I think this is worth it. This is a good story to tell. Zelnarn, slow down. I need. I don't need to tell you that. Why the hell do you? Zelnern. Hey, whatever happened to that bard on our ship? We should have brought him along. He would have just gotten in the way. We can, I can relay the story. Uh, Darwin uh, kind of pulls over, or as you pull over, Darwin grabs onto some roots and pulls himself closer to the uh, to the or the boat, pull closer to the shore, so he can kind of review it, like review the thing, and begins to sketch it. Um, it takes him a few minutes as he's sitting there sketching it, the water uh, kind of bouncing around you. Um, and as you kind of enjoy this peaceful yet eerie moment beneath all of these countless woven snakes, how does everyone feel about snakes? Especially jewels, our Indiana Jones equivalent. 
<laughs> not a fan. Uh, I mean, not as many snakes on the, the mainland, so they're a little foreign to me and pretty spooky. Uh, meanwhile, by the way, uh, while he's doing this sketch, I'm going to start looking through my tome and casting Detect Magic. All right, you start conjuring forth Detect Magic, and how long does that last for? An hour. An hour. Uh, oh, sorry, no. Uh, just concentration, 10 minutes. Okay, so it takes 10 minutes to cast a count last 10 minutes. All right, uh, so you start conjuring this forth, uh, working on Detect Magic, and uh, he's sketching it there. And after, you know, it's taking him about 10 minutes to get a rough sketch of it and its details, and he's writing down little notes about, oh, it's here, it's there, you know, it's made of this material. And your senses become alive even more than uh, Celeste's were to this arcane, or to this primal magic all about you. In fact, it courses. Your eyes are immediately pulled to the fact that every single one of these snakes is filled with magic. Every one of them is dense and boiling with magic, as if alive with it. And as you pull your concentration on trying to discern the magic surrounding the snake that, uh, that uh, Darwin Nash is currently sketching, you become horrified as you realize it is imbued with transmutation magic. Oh, God. I, I, uh, I think we should get out of here. Uh, Darwin kind of says, well, not yet. I still want to take a few notes. In fact, hand me my knife. I want to scrape a bit off to see what kind of no, wood is no. made underneath. This, this isn't wood. This is, this is, this is transmutation magic. These are, these are real creatures. We need to Wait. get out of here. The, the crystalline trees, too? Is that transmutation? Can you are, tell from here? Are there any of those around? Uh, the tree, you only found, saw one of those crystal trees. Uh, so unfortunately, no no luck on telling if they're magic. I don't know about the crystal one, but these, however, this thing, I don't want to mess with this. You, you might it, it, If you touch it, it might, you know... I don't know what it's going to do. We just need to get out of here. Uh, Darwin pulls away, closes up his notebook there, and says, Well, then the sketch I've made will have to do. I think this place is beginning to be more interesting than Obed High. And he smiles at the space around you. You row on from the uh, woven serpent hollow and continue deeper and deeper in. This time, however, Jules, your senses briefly awake and aware to the uh, magic of this space as you row through it, you realize the magic isn't just in the air. It's not just in the snakes, but the water itself seems to have uh, seems to have magic coursing through it. And if you've ever seen dye, like dropped in, like a dye placed into a, like water that's flowing downstream or anything like that, how there's a sort of a thread of that color coursing down through the stream. Just the same, you see this thread coursing down, diffusing around, but with a strong central channel pushing through the water, making a clear path, uh, pushing deeper and deeper into the heart of the Azure Stand. Wow. 
Can I like keep recasting detect magic whenever I can? To you can. To follow it? Okay. You, you can and you do. Awaken to this news. Uh, you realize a uh, that through detecting magic, although it takes time to sit there and detect it, and then open your senses to it, and then detect magic, and then open senses to it, does seem to give you a pretty confident path, an auto-success, if you will, to guide you through the Azure stand. Dope. Jules kind of ends up sitting at the front of the boat, uh, their eyes like glowing kind of this pale bluish green, um, looking around following it. What do you see, Jules? I see a thread of magic going through the water. I think if we follow it, we can make it all the way. Zolner and listen to Jules from here on out. The water, uh, or this passage moves you along. Uh, Celeste, your own open senses to the primal nature of it, seeming to confirm that Jules has you on the right path. Phil, having noticed that the deeper you go and the closer you get to the heart of it, the older and the more old growth mangroves you're finding, you're noticing that this path seems to be right. Jules has found the secret of it. And as you go further and further, the mangroves open up to a surprising sight. Marooned here in the middle of the pool is an ancienne republique traitor ship this ship uh stretches a uh, half su- its back half sunken in the water its front half sticking up clear break marks shattering through it as ancient uh mangroves thrust their way up through it breaking through the hull having grown through and around this merchant vessel or this trader ship i say trader ship because most ancien republic shirt ships are trader ships even their pirate vessels but it's the same fast moving vessel you considered taking instead of what became the Melora's Borealis but you see this it's old ancien republique or it's monmagie runes long since molded over and washed away in the water uh, salt stained and ruined dilapidated here stuck amidst the mangroves uh, pull up next to it. Perhaps there's some relics inside that are worth taking with us. You row your way closer to it. Um, and as you look, the name has been, where the name ought to have been is gone because a, or a uh, large mangrove has bursted up through it, breaking through the uh, hull there and stretching out like through it. It's one of four or five mangroves that have knotted around this ancient sh- or this old ship and grown into it. Uh, make a nature check. Uh, who has the highest nature? Not not me. Celeste, you're proficient in nature, right? I have plus five. So actually, you don't even need to make a check here. Uh, you're aware that these mangroves are ancient. Tr- these trees go- grow slow, and yet... These trees have, you know, clearly they've been growing here for a long time, like a thousand years, maybe, as they've broken up through this uh, to be able to grow through this marooned vessel. They've been growing for a thousand years. Although any of you who knows anything about shipcraft and has proficiency in history, is that any of you? 
Anyone have proficiency uh, in history? I have plus six in history, and I um, can pilot water vehicles. Phil, uh, and heck, being from the Onsen Republic doesn't hurt here. As uh, Celeste remarks on the age of these trees, you immediately shut that idea down. It, it's not possible, because that ship can't be more than three, four decades old. Okay. So thousand-year-old um, trees have grown up through the hull of a 30-year-old ship. I tell I, I share that info. But aren't we in the Feywild? It sure feels like it. Hey, pull up next to this thing. I might know, you know, their their um their bolt holes where they hide some stuff in this. Uh you pull up next to it, and while there's no rope ladders or anything hanging down, the vines from the the vines and the Roots from the trees make easy enough handholds that you can scrabble your way up on deck. Um, Captain, do I have time? Can I take a quick peek? Yeah, I'll actually, I'll come with you. All right, Dar- I jump. Darwin opts to stay in the boat. He's trying to uh, get a sketch of this site, uh, saying that he's going to try and figure out what ship this is. If you say it's only 30 years, yet it's been here for... Must be a thousand for these trees to have grown through it. Uh, and you start climbing up on deck. Does anyone join Rubert and Phil? I'll join. I'll, I'll join. Jules and Zelnern join up on deck. And Celeste, do you stay in the canoe or do you join up on the uh, hull I'll, of this? Uh... I'll stay in the canoe. All right. So uh, Phil, Zelnern, uh, Jules, and Rubert. Climb hand over hand only requires DC five, so you have plenty of time. You're not in a rush. Up over to the front of this uh, this Ancien Republic ship that's half sunk in the water. You realize that it's actually broken at about mid deck, so its uh, front part is sticking at like a forty five degree angle up, and then its uh, rear is, or its aft. There we go is broken and rests on the bottom of the water uh, pretty flat. You'd have to swim to be uh, able to go inside it, but otherwise it's pretty uh, uh, easy to enter. But as you climb up on deck, it's probably more like a 30-degree angle. It's not so steep. Um, You look about, and immediately to your sight is the notice of human bones, or rather human skeletons sort of scattered around the deck. Missing a few pieces here and there, but clearly ain't uh, old corpses long since dead here in the water. Their bone or long since dead here on deck, and a few sit in the water on that lower hull. Each of them looking cracked and broken. Do you want me to check out the part of the ship beneath the water? You're the captain. You tell us. And there yes, is a staircase sorry. leading below deck on the front part of the ship as well. Yeah, I'll head uh, down into the water. All right, so you jump off the uh, broken part of the boat and down into the water. Does anyone want to head below deck on the uh, other or on the front part of the ship, or do you just stay on top of the deck? Phil waits for the other crew members to make a decision. Um, Those other crew members. Uh, uh, um, let's think. Okay, let's. Uh, 
let's go in. <laughs> All right, so Zeldnern, you lead the way down into the uh, below deck of the front of the ship, which is above water, while Rubert dives down into the aft of the deck, which is below water. Rubert, as you swim down in there, you notice there's two, maybe three skeletons sort of piled on the back deck, uh, suggesting more people died there. And you row de- or you swim deeper into where you you know there's open hole, and you're able to pretty much be scouting around in the ruins below. Meanwhile, Zelner and you lead the way down into the above water front or below deck. Yes, Phil. Oh, I want to do my own thing. I just want to wait for them to leave. I want to All check right. those like I want to look for uh, smuggler spots, but I want to do it by myself. All right, Jules, do you join Zelner? Uh, do I see any magic stuff? with my detect magic um you've just reopened detect magic or like your uh, detect magic like ended as you arrived here so you could try and recast it now because remember you've been traveling for like f- it's four hours into the day four or five hours into the day so far okay uh, so you could re-up detect magic if you'd like but it's not currently on uh, i'm gonna hang out on the top of the ship and start casting that all right, so you're sort of absorbed in your uh, your ritual casting, mm-hmm. uh, giving Phil a bit of uh, space to sneak off if he so likes, uh, while while Zelnern goes down in the front of deck and Rubert goes in the back deck. Um, so we're gonna start with uh, Phil, actually. Phil, what are you looking for? Um, just similar to when we inspected the original uh, Ancien Republic ship. Uh, I'm just looking at like really common spaces that smugglers would uh, like hollow out um, portions of the deck, maybe in the railings um, by like the aft castle if that's visible. Well, the aft, so the aft like, castle is underwater. Okay, so it's just the front of the ship that's at a 45 degree angle. Yeah, and it's basically broken like with one part's uh, underwater and flat, the other part's kind of sticking up at a 30, 40 degree angle and out of the water okay uh so maybe i go towards the front of the ship and you're, you're um, on the front of the ship right now yeah yeah okay i want to see if it has like any sort of figurine on the front of it then i'm just kind of like poking around doing my own uh personal search like does it have a mermaid does it have a dragon does it have a giant sparrow on it it has a harpy okay can i identify that have i seen that before uh, it's a pretty common one, but you can make a uh, history check if you like. It's going to be a slow dice roller today, people. 24. 24? Um, you look at it, and it actually is too common and old for you to notice it without having like an actual record or like written history book. It's no one you knew in life. Um, but you can tell that it's not super old design though that's the main thing you get like it's too common and it's it is decayed but the design is a relatively new harpy patterning it's in the old days the harpies that were used all had beaks but in the last like few decades they switched these harpies having uh beautiful mouth like human mouths and uh this one has a human mouth meaning that it must be a new newer design ship there's no way this has been here for thousands of years or a thousand years. Okay, I kind of say that out loud anecdotally to Jules as um, they're right. focused on whatever they're doing. And then one last thing: uh, the trees that are spratted out through the ship. Can I just look up and see if there's any, you know, like I do I see equipment, like any 
broken glass or broken wood like even skeletons or anything that like the trees have kind of like grabbed in them as they've shot up through the trip uh you do you do see one skeleton resting up in the tree sort of lodged into a crook of the tree and to see your surprise like he's still got like a like a loaded crossbow strung in its like skeletal hand up there like clearly this person was not um this person, you know, this isn't like a natural place for bones to be. This person clearly died a violent death, still clutching their weapons, and it must have happened a long time ago because they're just bleached bones now. Okay, um, I point that out to Jules, and then I end whatever I'm doing. All right, and as, as you're doing that, uh, Rubert, you're scouting around the uh, back hole. Make an investigation as you kind of swim down your gills that you have now. Ugh. Uh, opening allowing you to swim through the water yeah as i like the entire time we've been on our like our like river trip down here my skin has been like feeling dry and like i've been like scratching at my neck like not enjoying being in the heat Uh, and like i'm jumping at the opportunity to jump into the water and breathe water again as i gladly like pull the kelp a little bit looser as my gills open on my neck and I will ugh, investigation that's only going to be a 10 10 alright um, you search around pulling open drawers and compartments you don't find anything old waterlogged and rotten away uh, drawers of like clothes you open up a lock box it's a lock long since rusted off but inside you just find crabs scurrying about uh, it's clear to you the back of the ship has nothing of value that you can find as you swim through it. Zelnern, in the front of the vessel, as you descend down into it, um, I need you to make an investigation as you start poking around this crew quarters and foredeck that uh, is below. Oh yes, let me look around here. Hmm, I think I should have brought a light. I got it too. There's enough holes that are streaming through, but you're still you're taking it so methodical and like slow that you uh, you don't seem to notice anything of value uh, by the time that everyone else has finished their searches. Uh, Jules, your detect magic uh, completes. Your eyes open and you look around you, and you realize that there is necromancy radiating from each of those skeletons. The three below water, the four on deck with you, and the one in the tree. And as you realize this and uh, you hear Zelnern kind of bump into something below, roll initiative for the skeletons begin to stand. there chaotic normies it's been a while uh sorry for the lack of episodes lately uh life has just kind of gotten in the way so i'm extremely sorry about the delay but it's here and uh if you're nice if you're good 
I might uh, release another episode next week. But that's only if you're good. So be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, even if it's just to say, hey, five stars, don't release another don't, uh, fucking episode late. Okay. I heard, I heard. But um, yeah, it was a uh, yeah, long break, but happy to be back. Uh, this episode, we are start uh, the start of a new arc. Heading into the Azure Stand arc, a quick little one, and I'm excited to see where it goes, and I hope you are too. Yeah, no other announcements this week, but stay cool out there. Be sure to, I already told you to rate and review, like and subscribe, send any questions, comments, concerns, and your favorite gluten-free pizza recipes to catacnormalpod at gmail.com, and I'll talk to you all soon. Bye! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.